You're listening to Master Photography Podcast. Welcome to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I am Brent Bergram, your host for this episode, and I have a great guest with me today, Aaron Nace from Flurn. Aaron, welcome to the show. So good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yes, absolutely. It is great to talk with you again. And what I mean by again, listeners, is just last week, according to when we're recording this now, <laughs> he and I were on the on the same thing here where we're recording a show for Latitude Photography Podcast. And Aaron, what did we talk about in Latitude Photography Podcast episode? It was all sorts of good stuff. But what what are just like two things that you want to tell the people we talked about on that show? I think the big takeaways, one is talking about traveling incognito. So yeah. like ditching that giant padded backpack for something a little bit more simple and trying to not draw a ton of attention to yourself while uh, while on the road. And uh, we also talked about a few pieces of gear. And my personal favorite tip of the show was, uh, you know, when you're out and about, try to get that camera around your neck. Put it yeah. on your neck strap. If it's in your bag, chances are you 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 won't be able to use it, especially if like a, a moment comes up very quickly. If it's in that bag, there's a good chance that it's going to stay in that bag. So when you're out and about it, when you're shooting, get that camera around your neck on a good neck strap. And I find that I take many, many more pictures when that's the case. Yes, that, I totally identify because I know when I'm on the trail, sometimes I'm just like, I have to get to my spot. I have to get to my spot. And I ruined the experience because I don't pay attention to what's around me on the trail sometimes. It's like, I get there and it's like, why did I do that? Right. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I just, I feel like a fool a little bit. It's just like, no, just set yourself right. As soon as you get out of the car, click your mind into that creative mode. You're hunting, you're looking for imagery and have that ne- that camera around your neck. Whatever it is that you use to, to get that camera out of your bag. And that's that was an excellent tip. So I appreciate that. Sure. So everyone, you probably maybe you recognize Aaron from Flurn and we also talked about a lot of his beginning in photography in that episode. So that episode will be out in about another week and I encourage you to take a listen over there on the Latitude of Photography podcast. So tell us briefly, maybe there's some who don't know, aren't familiar with Flurn. Tell us a little bit just what Flurn is and a little bit, tiny bit about yourself and your relationship with Flurn. Yeah, so uh, my background is actually in photography. Uh, I started off with a real interest in conceptual photography. So this was trying to make things that couldn't exist in real life, like people levitating or, you know, maybe having multiple versions of the same person or, um, you know, putting people in environments that like don't exist, for instance, like I've I've done like alien planets and things like that. And you know, this was my personal interest, just create images that I had never seen before, you know, something that I, I could look at and be like, whoa, that's crazy. And to do that uh, required a decent bit of Photoshop. So uh, bringing my skills together with photography and Photoshop and, uh, you know, kind of like doing my best to create these images. Obviously, you know, when you're going about doing something wildly conceptual, uh, you know, there are a lot of factors at play. And, you know, it's, I, I look at photography as one of those tools. I look at lighting as one of those tools, wardrobe, set design, costume, you know, hair, makeup, uh, you know, models, location. And then Photoshop, I just kind of look as another one of those tools in, 
you know, in your arsenal of creating great images. So for sure. Basically, about 10 years ago, I was creating images like a madman, just <laughs> doing everything I could possibly do to get my, you know, to get my images out there. And I was posting my images online and I started getting all these requests like, hey, we love your photos. How did you do it? Like, how did you do this like crazy stuff in Photoshop? And I realized there was a huge need there. People really wanted to know how to do this, you know, advanced conceptual stuff, but also a lot more everyday practices in Photoshop, things like retouching or, you know, just cleaning up a photo. There's there really is no end to what you can do in a program like Photoshop. So, you know, whether it's a day to day taking pictures of your kids and, you know, maybe they just got some some schmutz on their face, you know, <laughs> after eating a little meal or something like that. Removing that is incredibly simple. Maybe you're photographing a, a bride and groom and maybe the lighting wasn't that great. So you want to fix that lighting. That's something that we can show as well. Uh, you know, maybe you're out on location and you've got a beautiful photograph, but maybe it was a little bit overexposed. We can show you how to fix that exposure. Or maybe you want to do the more conceptual, like uh, high-end compositing and things like that. That really how I got my start was just like literally people asked me to teach them. And I was like, you know what? I really enjoy this. I really enjoy sharing this knowledge. It's, you know, around something that I already love. And I realized very quickly that I didn't have the time to do everyone one-on-one. -on -one. I was like, okay, I want to, like, that'd be fantastic. But, you know, one-on-one -on -one material, how am I going to reach uh, hundreds of thousands or millions of people who need this knowledge? So I started making videos, just pre-recorded videos and putting them online. And this was, this was early days. This was, this was back in, you know, 2000, uh, like eight, 2009, 2010. Uh, and at this point, you know, YouTube, believe it or not, folks, uh, <laughs> YouTube didn't even offer HD at this time. Oh, wow. Yeah, this was a, they had an upload limit of like eight or 12 minutes also. So you couldn't even put a, you know, a 15 video, 15 minute video online. You couldn't even put this on YouTube. So this is, this is the era that we're talking about, you know, early days of YouTube. I believe it's before Google even bought them or maybe early days. Like there weren't even ads on YouTube yet. Uh, so this was just a chance to really create, you know, create education that I shot, I thought should be out there and should be for free. And so I started making weekly videos early, early on, actually started out making multiple videos a week and we haven't stopped since. So All it's right. about 10 years down the line, we still release free videos every single week. And by the way, uh, if you guys are, I know you're going to be listening to this probably in February of 2020 is when it's going to come out, but we just launched a fantastic series called 30 Days of Photoshop. It is absolutely free. You can sign up on flurn.com slash 30 days. That's PH learn like photo learn smashed into one word. It's also on YouTube as well. So if you guys have any interest in learning Photoshop, now is the time. It's absolutely free. I highly recommend checking it out. So if you're on YouTube, our channel's flurn, uh, flurn.com. We're on social media for flurn as well. So, uh, pretty easy to find us and, uh, yeah, go ahead and sign up for 30 days of Photoshop. It's, it's free. And basically we start you with, you know, the basics and then we move all the way into things like compositing and retouching. One of your items that I really do like, uh, you've had that for several years now. You have a, a photo shoot where 
you actually have a you're holding a, a, a guitar, but you do it so you effectively have the clothes that are there, but the person is removed. Yeah, totally. And that one is uh, I like showing my students that because it kind of is a little bit of a mind bender. Just like I've seen that kind of because the students are like I've seen that kind of thing before. You know, whether it's a commercial or in a magazine ad or wherever else. But is, then they they dive into they can understand and when you guys look at that video you can understand how it is you know planning the shoot planning the work in Photoshop and getting all of those details figured out is really good uh, really good you know step by step all the way through it's a, an excellent piece and it's just one of the many you know hundreds and thousands of different videos you guys have out there so Flurn is definitely a huge repository of lots of Photoshop knowledge. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's a it's a you know one of the real passions. And I, I think as a creative, I have a tendency to kind of jump around a little bit. You know, I'm I'm obsessed with one thing and then I tend to be obsessed with another yeah. thing. But <laughs> you I can know, identify. <laughs> Photoshop and photography has, has always been there because there's r- literally no limit um, as far as what you can do. And uh, yeah, we're, you know, 10 years in here and I'm like, man, I still have so much to sh- to share and so much to to teach and so many things that we haven't even touched the scratch the surface of so um yeah it, it's it's been a fantastic ride and i'm super thankful to to be able to share this knowledge with people now a quick side note i'm just out, out of curiosity and i don't mean to necessarily put you on the spot but do you guys address the 3d items in photoshop much or or, or you know what do, what do you do with that at on the flurn site yeah, we have a little bit in like some of our more advanced tutorials. Yeah. Uh, but you know, in my opinion, if you're interested in doing 3D modeling and rendering, Photoshop is not the program yeah. that I would recommend using. For, uh, especially for original rendering and such, that's totally not what you want to do. But they also have uh, you can make the the um, the either the 3D items, you know, 3D uh, prints. If you put the the 3D glasses on, you can you know do the offset with a cyan magenta uh, items for offset, and then also you can do lenticular lenses. Uh, so if you buy the lenticular lens overlay, you can have that motion as you have that print and you move it back and forth. It's it can be pretty cool, but oh, it's I didn't really even know you hard. Could do that. It's really hard to do without a resource. I mean, if I could spend you know a week or well, probably just take a couple of days full on doing it, you know, I could totally iron it out, but I just don't have those, those few days of just full on doing that. But yeah, there's a little thing where you can do an offset of, of how many, you know, lenses you have on your lenticular lens. And it's, it's pretty cool, but, oh, it's just, I I wish, um, I wish I had the time to make that happen. Maybe this summer, like I always say with projects, maybe this summer. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe this summer. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe when I have nothing to do, uh, which is never... Given that I'm a teacher, you know, I do have the summers, but I always tend to fill them up with traveling places. So, you know, priorities, <laughs> I guess. Totally. Well, you know, nothing beats travel. I, I think oh, it's really, yeah. you know, it's the, it's the best thing for, for my for my soul, you know, getting out there and changing right. my perspective on, on life. You know, there's nothing better. Absolutely. Well, today, let's, let's segue into our main topic, and that is Photoshop for iPad. And we wanted to have you on because, let's face it, you know, I, I love your your work and what you're doing with Flurn. And if anyone can convince me that Photoshop for iPad is a cool thing, it's probably you. And <laughs> let me give you a little bit of a history, though. I don't know how other listeners are are thinking about Photoshop for iPad, but I'm really I've been really hopeful that Photoshop for iPad is something that could just, you know, I can go yay and and kind of be happy about and. 
w- with a mobile working platform. But as a longtime Photoshop user, you know, 20 plus years for myself, let's face it, I've got a lot of baggage, so to speak, to deal with. <laughs> Quote unquote, regular Photoshop on my desktop, on my Mac that I have. There's, it's, you know, it's hard to break that familiarity and, and expectations, right? And I think there's some expectations that aren't met or they are otherwise differently addressed. So hoping you can help me get over that hump of sorts and understand this different or newer way of working with images and what Photoshop for iPad is able to do for us. So yeah, what can totally. we do here? What what can where would you have me start? And and if you can take it take me from like just Pretend I'm utter beginner almost because okay. I would almost rather, in, in one sense, I want to be able to compare it to regular Photoshop, but in another sense, if, I don't know, maybe, does is it smart for me to, to wipe the slate clean or what should I do? Should I compare it to regular Photoshop or should I wipe the slate clean? What do you think? You know, I look at Photoshop for the iPad as, well, a couple of things. First, we're in the early stages of Photoshop for the iPad, sure. right? It's, it, it. Released last year for the first time. The original Photoshop's been around for 20 plus years, you know, so just just that, you know, compare the wisdom of a one year old versus the wisdom of a 20 year old, you know, (laughs) maybe I should I just turned 36. So maybe I should throw in a wisdom of a, you know, someone because looking back when I was 20, I was like, I don't know if I had much wisdom when I was 20, but I definitely had much more than when, when I was one, you know, and so there's. There's that, right? It's right. a it's a it's a newer iteration. It's on a new platform. And there you're also the the platform itself, because it's an iPad, you know, unless you buy an external keyboard, you're not gonna be using a keyboard. Uh unless you buy a mouse. Well, they don't have mouses. Sorry. There's you use your finger or you can use a um uh, a, a pencil, the like pencil. an Apple Apple pencil. Yeah, and I've got the pencil and I've got a, the external keyboard option. Oh, you do. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you'll be able to take uh, advantage of keyboard shortcuts. So, uh, you know, just based on the form factor of the iPad, it's we're we're dealing with a different piece of technology and a, a very different piece of software. So I like to think of it as, you know, as, as just that it's it's not the same as the Photoshop that's on your desktop. And when I you know, my initial impression was and I think this is because I expected it to be like a carbon copy. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I, I kind of did too. <laughs> and when I when I opened it up and saw that it was not a carbon copy, at first I was like, well, what the heck? I got to learn to use this whole new program. You told me it was Photoshop, you know. But as I started using it, I'm like, okay, this actually makes a lot of sense because how is it going to be a carbon copy? Like, it's on the iPad. Like it's a it's a different yeah. operating system and it needs to function differently. Like there's, you know, every app you open, they're not going to have like a toolbar across the top with all the, you know what I mean? Like there is a very different way to build programs on an app versus um versus on a computer. And so it took me a couple of days to figure out like where all the buttons were and you know, my way of doing that is just like click on everything I see and yeah, play <laughs> around know. with it. Yeah, play around and have some fun. Uh, but very, very quickly, I realized like, oh, you can do like compositing on the iPad. Like yeah. you can do, you can do real Photoshop on the iPad. Uh, it just takes a little bit of time to kind of figure out the layout. And here's here's how I've integrated Photoshop on the iPad into my life: is like this is 
you know, when I'm on the airplane, when I'm traveling, when I've got, you know, when I've got some time to kind of kill, you know, having an iPad with you is, you know, like I, I carry my iPad, especially when I travel all the time. It's it's incredibly lightweight. It's got really good battery life. Like I'm I'm watching movies on it anyway. Uh, you can now you can plug in like external hard drives and things like that into your iPad, which is fantastic. Yes. And you know, I look at it as like, cool, let's, let's do this like creation. Let's have some fun creation time. And being that, you know, the Apple pencil or the stylus, whatever, uh, you know, kind of comes with the package. I mean, you got to buy it separate, but it's, it's part of the deal. I think if you're into graphics and things like that, um, you can do a heck of a lot with it. it it's kind of like having a laptop and a Wacom tablet with you, you know, with just this one piece of technology. So, uh, it's it's really kind of like come into my workflow as like, you know, while I'm traveling, let me put some things together and, you know, see what see what I can see what I can make like on the go. Um, when I'm back, let's say I, I live in Chicago. So when I'm back in Chicago and I have my, you know, full on multiple monitor setup with my, you know, souped up revved up computer with racing stripes on it oh, yeah. and you know all my peripherals and all that stuff uh you know thousands of gigabytes of ram i'm i'm exaggerating of course but like <laughs> you know I, I get on my like big setup and that's what i'm going to use because it's a very different uh it's a very very different experience than it is on working on an ipad so um i see using those two experiences as like you know, they're, they're both great for what they are. And I think, you know, like I'm not going to be able to have my giant desktop when I travel. So let's use that. Let's use that iPad because we got it. Um, when I'm back home again, like let's use, let's use what we've got. So, um, that's, that's how I've integrated it into my workflow, uh, in a way that, um, I'm enjoying it. And I'm also super into Adobe has some other awesome apps like Fresco, uh, that integrate really nicely with Photoshop and the iPad. Um, so if you're interested in like drawing or illustration, um, I, I think that there are some other fantastic apps and the, you know, the, the play between those apps and Photoshop on the iPad is, is also very good. So Adobe Fresco, we'll probably get into that a little bit as well as when we talk a little further about it. I guess I have that one on my iPad too. I, I remembered uh, looking at it. I just didn't remember actually downloading it, but it is here on my iPad. So when we look at the, um, what we're dealing with on Photoshop with the iPad, so you made it sound like it does work or it, you, you do integrate it into your workflow. So that means that you're able to uh, easily transfer the files from your desktop environment to here. So help me understand what is the specific method that you use for making that happen? Because certainly it's going to be tied in with Adobe's uh, cloud in- environment or their cloud service that they have connected with our Adobe accounts, right? You know, <laughs> I personally, I just use AirDrop. Okay. That's, <laughs> That's probably that- better for me too, because... The Adobe uh, cloud system, I'm in a little bit of a unique situation in that I work at the university, and my account is tied with that, and so it's always giving me trouble for some reason, and I have a feeling it's because I'm part of the university accounting, you know, with, with what Adobe, how they control it. And so it's always giving me this little error and then it'll clear and then it'll come up again and it'll, and it's just like, mm, you know, just fix yourself already. Um 
and I don't have the the massive amounts of storage that everyone else has. I think you get like 100 gigs, is it, with a standard account? What, how, how many, I can't remember how many gigs you get with on these their cloud storage with a standard account. Uh, you know, I don't know the exact number yeah. either, to be I, honest. I, I, I know they right, sell though. you up for another 20 bucks or whatever. They'll, they'll get you another, um, another terabyte or so, but I have like 20 gigs. So it's, it's fairly limited anyway. So to airdrop it, I like what you're saying there because that would probably make it easier on me as well to just, I'm ready to go. Let me airdrop it, spend a few minutes, what it takes to airdrop, depending on how big the file is. And then I just have that ready to work with. Exactly. You know, and the other nice thing, so I'm pretty Mac integrated. So I apologize for PC users. What I'm sure. about to say is probably not going to come up <laughs> any use for you. But um, I also really enjoy the iCloud drive. I believe for PC users, they have like Microsoft One drive and things like that. Yep. Um, but I really enjoy the Microsoft, or sorry, the, the Apple iCloud drive because anything that I put in my iCloud drive, I'm able to access on my phone and on the iPad using the Files app. Uh, which for me is actually very, very helpful. So if I'm just like, hey, I got to transfer this one file like right now, and maybe I don't have super solid internet around, AirDrop is the way to go. But if I'm just looking for a place to store my images, store my files, most of the time I'm putting things in my iCloud drive. And I use that as more of a temporary storage place and for long-term storage, I have like, you know, uh, hard drives and RAID arrays and all that stuff like that. But basically any projects that I'm like currently working on, I save them in my iCloud drive okay. and then they're available on. So I have, you know, I have desktop computers that I work on, laptop, uh, you know, my iPad, my phone, like um, just Popping things in your iPad drive makes it instantly accessible on every computer that you work on, provided you're signed in with your Apple ID and you're using Mac. So again, I, I apologize for those PC users out there. Well, that, uh, l let me take it one step further for the PC users. Uh, when we're in Photoshop, I'm just playing with it now as you're talking about it. There's an, Down the lower left corner, there's an import and open button. And it does support, uh, it does access my OneDrive. So I have a terabyte of OneDrive through the university as well. It accesses my Google Drive, my Dropbox, and my iCloud Drive. So I've got everything that I would ever want for accessing those files through Photoshop here. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. Good, Good to know. Yeah. That is I'm, nice. <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, to me is like, that's where we're going. You know, like some, it, it really depends on the project too, right? Like we're doing a relatively simple project. Maybe our file size is, you know, 100 megabytes or something like that. That, that. That's an easy thing. Pop it on the cloud, work on the on the go. Right. You know, sometimes I'm working on large projects and just my PSD, you know, we're looking at a gigabyte plus for a PSD. And for those situations, honestly, for me, that's that's going to be a probably a desktop experience. Sure. Or, you know, or maybe a laptop experience with a, uh, you know, with a laptop that can handle that. Uh, that sort of thing. I'm not I'm not looking to take a gigabyte PSD with you know 50 plus layers into onto my ipad that that for me is just like not <laughs> it's not part of my workflow not saying you can't do it but uh i'm like you know what i mean if i'm working with that much information i want uh you know i want both the software and the hardware to be able to handle that much information because i'm also like you know 
once you get pretty familiar with a computer program, I find, especially with keyboard shortcuts, that I'm limited speed-wise by, like, how fast I can hit my buttons on my keyboard. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's that's my limit. But when it when the computer starts to lag and that becomes my limit, I just get frustrated. You know? It's yeah. like... What? No, I want to I want to work faster like I can I can produce work faster than my computer is allowing me. And anytime that happens, I'm like time to get a new computer, I guess, or time to upgrade the one I have, because, you know, there's nothing more frustrating than just like waiting on something to load, uh, you know, for me anyway, I guess it's kind of like the impatient part of myself that's saying that but well and i I um, think that's part what i identify with too is just this idea of transferring things through the cloud but quite frankly this is a a bit of an eye-opener for me and for those of you that have had loads of experience with photoshop for ipad you know (laughs) i'm just trying to take this from the very you know almost infantile stages to, to where i think most of us probably still are and say it just seems you know, how do we make this the easiest way, uh, the easiest barrier of entry? You know, is, is, you know there's going to be some barriers with just the, as we look at the differences and how it's laid out and the, the way it works. You've already, you know, kind of touched on that idea. But just getting our files to it, you know, we, we, we can actually have um, all these different options for getting our files to it. So hopefully that breaks down the idea of saying, oh, it's just a bunch of fooey because I can't, you know, even get my file on there very easily. Well, now with these multiple cloud services, we can. Now, as we're talking, I'm trying to copy uh, just freshly here a 180 megabyte file to my Google Drive, and then I'm going to access it through that uh, on the iPad here shortly once it uploads. So we'll see how long that takes. I, I initiated the copy about 30 seconds ago, and 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 we'll you know so now it's supposed to be uploading to Google Drive, and we'll just see how long that takes uh, as far as that patience idea is concerned. Because that's one of the things too I think with Lightroom Mobile is okay i can dump load download those uh images onto lightroom mobile but then it takes forever for those to transfer to my machine my my desktop machine so that's one been one of the you know impediments for running lightroom mobile as a primary source of ingesting the files i think if i put them in my regular lightroom first and then share what i want out to lightroom mobile i think that's a better solution for me yeah you know like that that's kind of my deal too again like anything cloud-based is like one it's fantastic like just the fact that that's an option like yes please like great and when i'm working with you know smaller amounts of information i find it fits right in with my workflow but if if i go out let's say you know i was um traveling recently i was in um you know california and i shot you know, a few thousand pictures on a on a fairly new, uh, you know, high end media, uh, mirrorless camera, and which each of the pictures is like sixty megabytes, right? So, like, you know, I'm coming back with hundreds of gigabytes of photos. You know, I'm not looking to put all that right into cloud storage. Like for me, that doesn't make sense. Like right. that, I'm going to put on a hard drive. I'm going to you know, I'm going to long-term back it up with a cloud service. So, you know, I, I'm a big fan of doing on-site and off-site backup. But, you know, if I want easy access and workability with hundreds of gigabytes of, uh, you know, worth of information, I'm going to be looking at a more traditional, you know, larger setup to, to handle that. 
But, you know, at the same time, during that trip, I took some photographs that I wanted to get on Instagram, like, while I was still in California. And so I chose my selects. I popped those on my iPad. I was able to edit them in Lightroom and on the iPad in RAW, by the way. You can yeah. do raw, full raw editing on the iPad. And, and the camera app in, in the Lightroom mobile is brilliant as well. I love that. You know, I actually haven't used it. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, I yeah, just started using it recently. I was like, ah, this is awesome. Raw on my iPhone uh, is, is just brilliant. Love it. Uh, I have to play around with that. I've <laughs> overall, I got to say, I've been blown away with Lightroom mobile. I think that, you know, I, I think that Lightroom being a little bit more of a, um, of a, I'm going to use the word simple, although I don't think that's the right use. Uh, it, it's not Photoshop is a, like there's a ton going on in Photoshop, right? Right. And I think porting that over the iPad is just, it's tough. Uh, Lightroom, I think they, I think they nailed it pretty much out of the gate, to be honest. I, I, I really like I, on the iPad and on the iPhone, I, I think it's a fantastic app. Um, and I know Adobe's working hard and they're doing a great job. So um, I'm excited to see the point where, fo- where Photoshop is just like they totally nailed it. Right. Um, and they are working hard and they're coming out with new iterations. And I, I don't mean to say that like, you know, it's not great as it is yet. But I think for people looking like, um, hey, is this just going to be the same as my desktop experience on my iPad? Um, it, it's not exactly that. So we have to kind of accept it for for what it is, which is fantastic. But it's just different. You know, like if you're used to driving like a high end sports car around every day and then you go on vacation and you rent just like a, you know, a, a regular economy car, you know, don't expect the sports car. <laughs> like, you know, enjoy the economy car because you're it, it's going to be a different experience and, and you're in a new place and, you know, you've got your you know, you've, you've got some advantages there, like fuel economy, um, easier to park it. Maybe you're not as stressed out about, you know, like getting dings and scratches and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that's kind of how I like to look at these pieces of software is like, you know, they're, they're just different. Sounds good. Yes. And, um, I, I have to actually, I'm going to use my OneDrive just to update the, the transfer of the file, because for some reason, the sign in on the Google was giving me a half a little, issue. And I was like, no, I'll just use my OneDrive. Um, but now it's taking just a little bit of time to uh, refresh. So let me let me refresh this whole thing. Go to files and then I go to locations and I select OneDrive and it still needs to show up here. So we'll, we'll kind of give it a running thing. As soon as I can get that file on my iPad, uh, we'll be good to go. I think I'll also tr- try and transfer it through the Creative Cloud files just as a, a live test while we're recording here. Fantastic. So get me into, let's let's talk Photoshop a little more. You said you you do some items like when you're in the plane and you're um, you know, doing not the big heavy lifting type stuff, but tell me the type of projects specifically uh, that you would do more in, in the Photoshop experience uh, with, you know, you transfer something from your computer and, and you're, uh, how did you put that? You're playing around with different options or... You know, is this, would you more characterize it as like, this is serious work kind of stuff? No, I, I would say like, uh, so the, obviously there's so many different things you can do with Photoshop. There are many different types of projects. So, you know, something simple like, hey, let me remove some blemishes, right? Like, 
use the example earlier, maybe you're photographing, you know, a, a, a young child or a baby and maybe they got some like food on the, like I'm my nephew. Uh, <laughs> we've got these Christmas cards recently. He was like eating a, an avocado and he's just got like avocado, like all over his face. Right. So it's like <laughs> hilarious. And nice. that's, that's the sort of thing where, like, if you wanted to just remove the avocado from his face, you know, I mean, I think it's incredibly cute that, you know, leave it in there if you want of to course. as well. But um, if that's the sort of thing you want to get rid of, like, yeah, on the plane, you know, like in the backseat while someone else is driving or whatever, like, you know, in transit or just like, you know, pop pop your iPad out, you know, on your lap while, you know, watching TV or something like that. You can definitely do that stuff quickly and easily on the iPad. Um, so it's those type of projects that I tend to reach for uh, for my iPad. Uh, I also really enjoy conceptual photography, and a lot of the time that involves bringing multiple different images together as well as creating sketches, and it, it involves a lot of logistics to create the final image. So I'll do a lot of that like planning and creativity stuff on the iPad as well, where you know maybe this isn't where I'm like looking to put my final piece together, but I can do a lot of the legwork uh, on this. So it, it really depends on, you know, the individual applications for, you know, um, for, for each creative. Uh, but, you know, we all have larger projects. Just like, so I'm a, I'm a <laughs> I, I love food. I'm like a bit of food obsessed and I really enjoy cooking as well. And, you know, some days my meal consists of like, I throw a sweet potato in the oven, stab it with a fork a couple <laughs> times, and come back in 45 minutes, and that's my lunch. Yeah. You know what I mean? And some days, I'm, like, going to spend an hour and a half. I'm going to make my own sauces. I'm going to cook several different dishes and try to, like, make sure everything comes out of the oven at the exact same time. You know, do a fresh salad and maybe, like, a a, a special drink or, like, a smooth, frozen smoothie thing for dessert. Or, that sounds you know, much better. um but some days i all i got times for is a sweet potato you know what i mean yep uh so when i'm looking at these different apps it's like it's kind of that deal like if i'm gonna create like a you know if i'm gonna cook for 20 people and i want to make multiple courses like i want to use my big full kitchen i want to use all of the tools available for me and i don't want to be restricted at all but Hey, if it's just me and I just got a sweet potato, boom, a little, you know, countertop toaster oven and we're good to go. So uh, that's kind of the way I look at the difference between, you know, Photoshop on the desktop versus on the iPad. It, it really has to do with the applications uh, that you're going to throw at it. Let's take a look now at some of the specific things that are, you know, I guess in the interface of Photoshop. I'm going to open up a new, I'm going to hit the create new button and I'm going to kind of run through a few of these items that will sound very familiar to us uh, across the top. So I just hit the create new button Uh, across the top. I have an item that says recent print screen film and video. So like if I were to do screen, it gives me a whole bunch of, uh, I guess, presets. Like I could design something for the iPhone 10, the iPhone 10 R and it has the MacBook pro 15, you know, and that gives me a little reading of the the pixel dimension. So like if I wanted to create, let's say, a wallpaper for the MacBook Pro 15 or 13 or what have you, we had a lot of these different presets in the web ones are the first things. So when then we look over at print, we have a lot of different print sizes available from letter to legal. And then we got the A4 through A6 options, A3 actually through A6 options. 
And so there's just lots of presets available. And then over on the side, we can determine, you know, do we want inches or whatever? Let's see, inches, pixels, centimeters. So all these options that we do have in Photoshop itself, we have here if we're setting up a new document. On this, oh, it, it does limit me to only an RGB 8-bit. I, I can't work in 16-bit, but I suppose... For the most part, I'm working in 8-bit anyway when it's when it's a standard Photoshop document. I don't know. Is there anything else besides this on this setup item that you have as a, some type of words of wisdom or anything else on these things? Uh, well, as far as 8-bit versus 16-bit, you know, my suggestion, especially when you're working on the iPad, iPad is to try to get your 8, uh, sorry, your 16-bit images into Lightroom because Lightroom is really like the raw processor yeah. here, right? So uh, we can do full raw processing on Lightroom for the iPad. And then when it comes time for Photoshop, yeah, you're going to be exporting out an 8-bit version of that image for, for Photoshop. And on Photoshop for the desktop, you can work on 16-bit images. Um, so I imagine they're probably going to add that support with time uh, on, on the iPad. Uh, but for now, it's 8-bit support. So, you know... Really, the big difference between 8-bit and 16-bit, you're work, you're working with a lot of more information, which is like whenever you can do that, I I recommend it. Sure. Uh, in my experience, the big differences that I actually notice are for things like exposure adjustments and white balance adjustments. You know, like if your photo is overexposed or underexposed. You want that extra information. That 16 bits is going to really, really help out. If your white balance is off, you know, you're going to want 16-bit raw photos so you can quickly and accurately correct your white balance as well. Uh, if you're not making huge exposure or white balance adjustments, then in my personal experience, 8-bit editing is very close to 16-bit. I don't want to say it's the same because it's not. 16-bit right. is always going to give you more information. But where I felt like, dang, I wish I had 16-bit. You know, if I just, let's say someone sends me a JPEG and I got to work on this JPEG, I can remove stuff from the background. I can fix blemishes. I can, you know, there's a lot that I can do and I'm not really missing 16-bit. But if I got to go in there and do like legit exposure adjustments or legit white balance adjustments, I'm like, uh, really wish I had the 16-bit version of this image. Uh, so I would say if that's the sort of work that you want to be doing, you know, start with Lightroom on the iPad and then send it directly into Photoshop sure. uh, for the more Photoshop-based applications. <clears throat> Yeah, and what I also on the idea of you know receiving that JPEG from the client or what have you, you can also convert to 16-bit. So you have the benefits, at least going forward, of the more nuanced detail that you can squeeze out of it, and then you convert it back to 8-bit when you're done. You might have a slightly better process than if you just stayed in 8-bit only when you're doing those those changes. Certainly depends on the nature of the JPEG they initially sent you anyway and all sorts of other things, but at least you have while you're doing the edits, you can have those more nuanced steps, as it were, because really the only difference is you just have more steps between what makes black and white. You just have more steps in the, as iterations uh, between that. So um, anyway, it does give us an option getting back into here with the, the new document item. You know, we have the background options. So white, black, and transparent, just like regular, if we will, re regular Photoshop, we can set the resolution. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and hit create. And then on the 
uh, left-hand side, we've got a, a range of a toolbar that's very similar to you know what we expect in the, the normal Photoshop. And then on the right-hand side, we've got our layers. So there's lots of, certainly there's lots of familiarity there, but you did mention, one of the first things you mentioned was across the top, you just don't have that that file menu bar, you know, in, in regular Photoshop, it's file, edit, image, layer, type, select, filter, 3D, view, window, help, and all that is just gone. So maybe that's for me one of those things just like, ah, all my options are missing. And <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. I can't but do anything. You, around, you know, as you look around other apps, you know, whether it's on your phone or on on a uh, iPad, like I, I actually haven't used an app yet that has a file menu across the top. Oh, I you think know? you're right. Yeah, it it just basically doesn't exist, I guess, is about the only way to put it. <laughs> so I think that's, you know, it like I think for Adobe to try to force that into an app when like I, I think they did a great job in that the fact that like they really didn't try to do just a carbon copy. This is a totally new program. Um, it's based on the same code as the original Photoshop, uh, which is super cool. And um, I had a chance to speak with some of the product developers at Adobe. And, you know, basically they said, like, they're working on rolling out features. Like, basically every month they hope to come out with a new feature uh, for Photoshop on the iPad. So once they did, like, all the groundwork, uh, you know, in bringing a lot of the traditional Photoshop element or the, you know, features from Photoshop on the desktop over to the iPad, like basically they said the majority of the work there is like done, like they've laid the groundwork. Okay. So now they're just going to continue to add to it and bring a lot of those features that, you know, that we enjoy from Photoshop on the desktop. Cool. Now, this is really interesting. As you were talking, I was clicking down the right-hand side. And so I'm going to go through this with listeners. The very top button is a layers button, but it only gives you the icons of the layers. It doesn't give you hardly anything else. You just have these little icons kind of showing. And that's a toggle. So you can turn it on and off. So you have a little more screen real estate uh, or you can you know show those layers. The next one down is a layers, but then it has the hamburger menu with it too. And this is where it gives you the name of the layer and you have the eyeball there so you can turn it on and off the layer. That's really sweet. And of course, you can just tap a layer to activate it, what have you. And then the thing beneath that, it activates, it brings up from the bottom these layer properties. And this is where you have blending options and you can have your blend modes, which is pretty sweet. I love blend modes. And add clipped adjustment. So there's lots of things actually that I think uh, from what I'm understanding um, as how normal Photoshop works or desktop, I should just call it desktop. I, you know, I don't want get, to get out of the calling it normal Photoshop. But anyway... Um, as far as the desktop Photoshop works, uh, we have uh, definitely some things that I'm very much needing as it re relates to how often I use it in mm -hmm. in regular Photoshop. And so that's, uh, that's good to see that's here. But like you said, it takes time to just play with it, get used to it, get, understand where it is. And what I always like to tell my students is I challenge you to break it <laughs> because <laughs> I guarantee you, number one, pretty much guarantee you won't break it, but... That gives that puts the people in a different mindset to say, hmm, you know, I have a challenge all of a sudden, and let's see what I can do. I'm going to go, you know, to the nth degree trying to to mess something up. Uh, further down on the le the right hand side, we have the plus, so that adds a layer, and then there's a little that little triangle thingy. So if I hold that, 
uh, tap and hold that plus sign. It just doesn't give me a new layer. It gives me a, an option. I can choose a new layer, a new adjustment layer, or a new empty group. So that's really cool too that we have the adjustment layers. I use those all the time. I just quite frankly, never knew where to access them. So I'm in one sense feeling like a fool. In another sense, I'm so happy. Um, <laughs> we have the eyeball option. So whichever layer you're active on, you can turn it on and off uh, with an eyeball further down on the menu. We, we then have a mask layer, which will add a mask to it. Or once you add a mask to it, it then becomes the eyeball toggle for that mask. So you can turn on and off that mask. And then we have uh, the clipping option to clip it to the previous layer. That's pretty sweet. What's this lightning one? Filters and adjustments, uh, adding a Gaussian blur or inverting the colors. And then there's a three dots item, which brings up a multitude of options that are just... I'm not going to read them all. There's just so many there. Lock and delete layer are the first ones, but there's just so many multitude of options from copying the layer uh, loading as a selection. Lots of good stuff. Are really good to see those extra options there. One of the things too about this version of Photoshop, and I think you kind of alluded to it and how it's just different, and your background is in industrial design as far as your training, as it were. You know, you went to college for that. Uh, I teach design and user interface design is something that we at least touch on a little bit with most of our students, if not a lot of it. And that's one of the other things I think as a longtime user of of desktop Photoshop, is just getting used to that difference in how the the thing behaves simply because we do have to have a different experience on this different device. And I don't know if there's anything you can speak to more on that. We've we have covered it quite a bit already, but if there's anything more that we can, you know, dissect or or think about and that might help me as as and maybe others be more accepting, I guess, of the just the differences that are there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, my my preferred way to get into a new piece of software is just start clicking on stuff, you know, like, what does this button do? What does this button do? What does this button do? And, you know, I find after a few minutes of it, uh, like, starting to piece everything together. And being that we already have a bit of knowledge from Photoshop on the desktop, you know, a lot of those things that we're already familiar with are on Photoshop on the iPad. They just are laid out a little bit different, you know, like... Uh, the layers panel you, you mentioned, there's two different ways of looking at your layers. One will, you know, produce a, a, a sh- very small list of layers. And it's small because you're working on an iPad screen. So it can be really nice to have just like a tiny little list of layers that's not in your way. But when you need to get a little bit more in depth and see more information, you've got another layers toggle, which will have like your groups, your names, your masks and everything like that where you can actually do the the bulk, uh, majority of your work. So um, we're going to see things like that that we don't see on the desktop simply because we have more screen real estate on the desktop. And, you know, quite frankly, we have things like different screen modes. Like on the Photoshop on the desktop, you can hit F for full screen. and It'll hide a lot of stuff. You can hit tab and it'll hide even more stuff. You know, there's there's just so many more options on the desktop for customizing and working with your workflow. You know, on the iPad, it's a little bit more fixed. So they built in these different ways of interacting with the app that will hide and show menus as you don't need them. And that just allows you to see more of your image, which I really appreciate. Definitely. And that it helps it get out of the way. And you, you just have, and that's where, you know, I, I mentioned those, those layer items, let's say, are toggles. So you can actually turn them on and off and have them get out of the way uh, with that. So that's... Um, 
That's definitely good. So let's just kind of wrap this up a little bit with one more thing here in the Photoshop with like the tools and whatever else. I just want to kind of run through a couple of the, the tools that are there to, I guess, just help people understand, you know, what we can do uh, when we're dealing, uh, when we're looking in Photoshop and all that good stuff. So we have uh, on the left-hand side, the standard select type tool, the little arrow thing. We then have this thing uh, called the transform tool. And... Um, it's telling me, you know, the bounding rectangle is empty, so it's not going to be able to do anything. Of course, I haven't selected anything at all. Uh, we then have different selection options with like the lasso thing and whatnot. And then there's the brush, so we can select our foreground and background colors there, the size of the brush, the nature of the brush, all sorts of good things with that. We then have an eraser. And each of these items has the little three dots, so there's lots of options uh, that we can look at uh, through there. And then we've got the bucket and the gradient tool. And then we've got probably what is going to be our favorite item is going to be the spot healing brush settings. So we can have some settings there with the size of the brush, the nature, the hardness of the brush, and then sample all layers or use the pressure for size. So if you have your pencil uh, that you're using, you know, it'll sense the pressure that you're dealing with there. Got a crop tool, type tool, and a few other items the with the eyedropper as well. So it is, there are, uh, as relates to the, the most used tools, we do have those here uh, in Photoshop Mobile. So that's that's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I find when I'm working in Photoshop Mobile, I one of the, my favorite things they added is the ability to do clipped adjustment layers. Yeah. Just clipping masks in general and adjustment layers. You know, that's a relatively advanced feature, I would say. But the fact that they included it with first build uh, really means that you can start doing compositing and more advanced applications immediately. You know, removing blemishes is probably like one of the more common things we'll use, you know, Photoshop for in general. Just like, hey, there's a trash can in the back of this photo. Let's get rid of it. You know, but uh, being that we can use adjustment layers, we can use clipped adjustment layers. Those, uh, you know, those features mean that we have a, a full editor uh, that we can actually start to use to do you know I've, I've done full composites uh, on the iPad I was I, I was lucky enough to be able to present at Adobe Max last year for Photoshop on the iPad and you know I was able to do multiple composites during uh, during my presentation you know things like cutting people out of the background putting them on a new background and then using clipped adjustment layers to match lighting and color and then the Apple pencil to kind of like paint in uh, lighting nuances to make it match the original image. So, um, you know, while things like, you know, lens blur and things like that aren't in the program just yet, I find that many of the core things that I go to Photoshop for day in and day out are included in the build. And, you know, I think that it really is a fantastic tool on the go. Um, and for most things that I think people are using Photoshop for, uh, you're going to find them in the mobile app. Yes, for sure. And then tell us a little bit about this fresco. You had mentioned that and how it kind of can can work really well with Photoshop. What's the deal with Adobe Fresco? So Fresco is like a drawing app. It's uh, it's made for drawing and illustration. And I, if you haven't downloaded it, it's just a boatload of fun. the The natural media uh, pencils and you know, markers and things like that work really well. They have a they have a uh, watercolor feature that like looks like watercolor. It actually blends together, which is really incredible. Uh, there are 
it it basically just makes illustration and drawing so much fun and the the media really looks pretty realistic i I think it's fantastic so um if you're doing sketches if you're doing you know concept work anything like that if you want to integrate graphics with your photos you know this is it's a great place to do all that and then it integrates very nicely with photoshop as well so um you know if if you're using Photoshop and you're like, oh, I wish I had like way more custom brushes and things like that. I want to do more like drawing, painting. I highly recommend checking out Fresco and basically everything you could ever want is in that app. And then you can port things directly into Photoshop very easily as well. So um, that's that's kind of where I use a lot of my like sketches and, and illustrations. Not that I'm not a professional illustrator, but when I do you know, especially my conceptual photography, uh, I I really enjoy sketching everything out ahead of time and doing like rough composites to see, you know, is my idea going to work? What do I need to do to pull this together? And um, I think Fresco is a fantastic app for cool. all that. Yeah. Yeah. I've got another drawing app that I, I have tended to use before Fresco came out. But um, yeah, I'll have to compare that with just the tools that they have and, and whatnot. So when you bring that into Photoshop, does it save the layers and whatnot that you that you have uh, in Fresco? It does. Yes. Yeah. Cool. That that would be extra nice to. I, I would expect that to be the case, but you know, just gotta check. Yeah. Totally. Totally. All right. So let's wrap this up with some doodads of the week. And what we're looking for here is just a little. A uh, little something that helps us in our in our creative life, and so my doodad is the Kirk Enterprises BH1 ball head, and I had bought this thing uh, just before I went on my trip to Alaska in December, and the biggest reason I wanted it is because while well, I have a nice big uh, enduro tripod, and I had used other ball heads, and they're just just some quirks about them that just drove me batty. And so uh, ended up needing, I was like, I just got to get a different ball head. So I have been eyeing literally this Kirk Enterprises thing for, I don't know how long, just ages. And I finally decided to make it happen. And I wanted to take my bigger tripod to Alaska with me because I knew the wind would be crazy and I wanted something more sturdy. So I needed something to match that. And holy cow, this thing is rock solid and it's perfectly machined and it's wonderfully, wonderfully, uh, just everything is great about it. The only thing I wish they had done is on the barrel of the ball head, you know, that's just the body of it. They didn't, um, they didn't like engrave their logo or anything on it. It's just really, really, you know bland you know black anodized aluminum which looks sharp and everything it's just they could have put a little bit of their logo on there just to kind of mark their spot but other than that which is obviously a useless comp- complaint uh it is just a, a really good rock solid ball head and i really appreciated uh using that in alaska and i look forward to using that in my future shoots nice yeah i'm always on the look for a good ball head there <laughs> it seems like Every couple of years, I'm like, I need a new ball head. And now yeah. I'm looking, I have like four already. It's like, why am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. like, you know, I'm like, that's going to make me a better photographer. A of new course. Ball head. Of you course. Know, easy. Perfect. Um, that, I do the same thing all the time. Uh, but fantastic to know that that's a good one because, uh, like I said, I tend to buy new uh, cameras, tripod gear, you know, 
well, every couple of years. In, in, years. in your area, in Illinois, there's uh, Pro Media Gear. Have you tried any of theirs out? I have not, actually. They're, they're actually manufactured there in a suburb of Chicago. I can't remember the exact uh, one. Uh, Kirk, they're, they're manufactured in Indiana. And so I, oh, I figured it's, it's, you know, U.S. made. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. That's fine. Yeah. I um, get behind that. Yeah. And, you know, certainly um, really right stuff. They're now made in Utah. So uh, it's another good one uh, to be looking at. But I, I, you know, ages, I literally mean ages. It's probably more than five years I've been thinking I just need to have just this super quality awesome. And, and I came across Kirk a long time ago and finally just like, you know, the stars aligned properly for me to just pull the trigger and buy that one because, and I'm really glad I did. It's about the first ball head where I'm literally actually really glad I did this one because all the other ones is like, yeah, they work and they're fine, but there's still just quirks about it that I just, it just doesn't fit the bill. And uh, this one, hundred percent, it's, it's, it's right there. So really liking it. Fantastic. So what's your doodad of the week? So my doodad is actually, it's more uh, creative sure. than strictly photography. And that actually, it's a sleep piece of tech. It's called the Aura Ring. It's called, it's O-U-R-A. And what it does is it tracks your sleep. So it you put it on, you wear it at night, and it will tell you how much time you spent in deep sleep, light sleep, uh, REM sleep. So you'll get a really good idea of the quality of your sleep. And the reason I think it's applicable for creatives is there have been so many studies that show that the quality of your sleep makes a huge difference in things like mental performance and creativity during your day. So if you're feeling maybe a little bit sluggish, if you're feeling like, oh, I'm just not sleeping that well, what's going on? You know, this little ring helps to track all that stuff and then it'll give you suggestions it'll be like oh you know what we noticed you didn't have that great of uh, like you know rem sleep or something here's some things that you can do to enhance that you know and i find that you know little things like wearing you know like not looking at too many screens before bed not eating too much before bed you know all these little things lowering the temperature of your house uh before bed you should sleep with a slightly lower body temperature so like set in that thermostat save some money too you know right before bed all these things can add up to better sleep and then you know i'm like a total gear nerd and like a analytics nerd so i want to be able to track it so using this ring i can actually track like okay cool well i took these suggestions i didn't eat before bed i lowered my body temperature i did some uh, intermittent fasting or maybe some interval workouts in the morning, you know, all these things that have been shown to help out with your sleep quality. And now I can track that with my little ring and then I can see, okay, cool. Like it seems like it actually made a difference in my life. I feel more rested. I feel like my brain is ready to go for the next day. And for, you know, for us creatives, that that's a big deal because creativity is, you know, you want your brain functioning um, at, at peak performance and uh, sleep can play a big part of that. So I just got my little ring just the other day and I've, I've been enjoying my analytics from that. But, you know, I'm like a total, like I got like an Apple watch to like track all my health and my exercises. I'm like an analytics nerd. So, you know, this is perfect for a person like me. But if you feel like your sleep has been suffering, 
Um, there's there's a book I recommend called uh, Sleep Smarter by Sean Stevenson. Um, he also has a podcast uh, that I really like called The Model Health Show. And then this aura ring will help actually track your sleep. So um, I found that getting better sleep uh, really does make a difference in my overall creativity and energy levels and how well I feel like I'm just like, you know that mental fog feeling where you wake up and you just kind of like you're running into the walls and you're like you can't think straight until oh, you get yes. your coffee or whatever, you know? It's like that's a real thing, you know? And uh, if we can do anything to kind of like combat that feeling and just like wake up and be like, cool, I'm ready to like get this day going. Like let's let's do this thing. I'm I'm functioning at peak performance. You know, for me as a creative, that that can make a huge difference. So I know awesome. it's not exactly like a camera or a tripod or something like that, but I, I really enjoy, you know, anything that's just going to help me overall function a little bit better in life because I think that that uh, winds up affecting my creative output and uh, overall mental abilities. Cool. Very good. And for those of you that are all like, hey, Brent, where's the commentary of that getting that file in Photoshop? I finally did it because you know what I remembered? I needed to update my OneDrive password because I had a new password because back in December, the university got hit with a ransomware thing. And so all of our systems were shut down. And so my OneDrive was on my iPad was still shut down, basically. So I just re-upped that password and now everything is coming in just fine. So those of you that are PC users, you want to use OneDrive. It's really easy to just dump your image in there or just work with it in there, whatever the case is. And then you can transfer using that as well. Super easy to get it in. I was a little bit frustrated while we're talking. You're like, I have to get this photo in to show how easy it is. And it is easy. So <laughs> now we're done with the show. It's finally done because I forgot to log in properly to my OneDrive. So there you have it. Step number one. Step log number in. one. <laughs> Step number zero. <laughs> really should be. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, all right. A few reminders for folks as we close out the show. Uh, one thing I want to make sure we tell you all about, Flern has been very generous enough to offer us a discount code for you guys. And that is Master20. So it'll give you 20% off the annual subscription at flern.com. And so head on over to flern.com and use master20 in the discount code, and you'll get 20% off that annual subscription. If you're interested in learning a little more about Photoshop, great place to be. Of course, uh, Aaron, you said you've got that free 30 days thing. So do that, I would say, and then you're going to love it and you're going to be able to get yourself 20% off and uh, off that annual subscription uh, when you decide to sign up for it. That's right. Yeah. And that includes every single tutorial uh, we've ever made. Things, you know, covering photography, Photoshop, Lightroom, uh, you know, the, the full gamut, retouching, compositing. Uh, your annual subscription also includes a huge library of Lightroom presets, Photoshop actions, brushes and other resources uh, to help you be more creative. And that all also works on things like Lightroom on the iPad and Lightroom mobile as well. So it's not just desktop stuff. We have it for all the different platforms. Very cool. Good deal. And I've looked at the price and it's definitely for an annual subscription. Certainly, um, it came in at less than 10 bucks a month, I think. And then we're already saving another 20% off of that. So uh, definitely an affordable location for some Photoshop and Lightroom knowledge. That's great. Thank you for offering that extra discount code. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And, you know, thank you all the <laughs> everyone out there listening. It's been a blast. Oh, you bet. And we have just a few more items here. Uh, MasterPhotographyPodcast.com is the home of the show. And, of course, we have that Facebook group. We invite you all to hit us up on the Facebook group because that's where a lot of extra discussion happens. We have one tiny little question. You just need to name a host of the show or a guest will work, too. So if you mention Aaron, that would be fantastic. We'll let you on in. Uh, we have over 9,000 people people in that Facebook group. So that's amazing. We'd love to see it grow even further. So we thank you for joining us there. And you can find my work at my two websites, latitudephotographyschool.com and latitudephotographypodcast.com. I'm still working on my personal website and should bring that out in March as well. Finally, get that back up and running as I retool all my efforts on my website stuffs. And one last thing for a workshop notification in the Palouse region this spring, my shoot and print photography workshop will do a little bit of shooting, and a lot of bit of printing. So bring some of your own images that you might want to print and we'll go through the entire process. We'll calibrate your screen. I've got two printers I'll be bringing up there. I've reserved a little red schoolhouse for our event. It's going to be so fantastic right there in the heart of the Palouse shooting and printing our pictures. And it's going to be fantastic. May 24 and 25 and June 15 and 16. Well, that's pretty much it. Thank you again so much, Aaron, for being here. Really appreciate you helping me and the listeners understand that Photoshop for the iPad is probably a really good thing to get into. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. You bet. It's been great. All right, everyone. Thanks so much. And we'll see you again in another seven days.